You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We're on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. In last week's episode, I referenced Hansard Knoll's autobiographical summary of his life and the unusual answer to prayer which he recorded in it. Remember that when he made those prayers, he was still an unconverted man. So this week, I'd like to read and comment on Knoll's account of his conversion. It also contains some unusual elements that may be instructive. Before I begin to read, let me remind you that Noel's father was an Anglican minister who raised his children in the Christian faith. Hansard underwent infant baptism from his hands and was well taught in the truths and practices of Christianity. Here's an early example. About the 10th year of my age, I having construed the 35th chapter of Jeremiah in my Latin Bible to my father, he took occasion to dissuade me from the love and use of strong drink and said he would give me 20 pounds if I would drink water, but told me that he would not have me do it to the prejudice of my health. And he charged me to make no vow to God so to do, for I did not understand how sacred a thing a vow is and how it binds the soul and that it would be sin not to perform my vow. Whereupon I drank water Eleven years, and never in all that time drank any wine or strong drink. Here his father warned him about the dangers of strong drink. But Hansard's childhood tutor was also used to press the law and wisdom into his conscience. About that time, my father kept a tutor in his house to teach me and my brother And he was a godly and conscientious young man, and he gave us good instructions for our souls and convinced us of the sin of Sabbath-breaking and of disobedience to our parents. After my father had preferred our tutor to a place of greater profit, that's a way of saying that he recommended him and helped him to find a a, uh, more lucrative place to teach. We went a little while to Grimsby Free School till my father got another tutor for us in the house, and one day going to the free school, we fell out and fought, upon which I was so much convinced that we had sinned against God and against our father, who had often told us we were brothers and ought not to fall out by the way. And I said, Brother, we have sinned. Come, let us be friends and pray God to pardon this and our other sins. Whereupon we both kneeled down upon the plowed land, and I prayed, wept, and made supplication to God as well as I could. I found so great assistance from God at that time that I never used any set form of prayer afterwards. Which done, we both kissed each other and went to school. Sermons were also used by the Lord to bring conviction of sin to Hansard as a university student. Afterwards, I went to Cambridge, and there a godly minister preached on Hosea 4.17. His doctrine was that the joining to sin by often committing it, after conviction of conscience for it, provoked God to give over many to the power of their corruptions and let them alone to die in their sins. I was thereby convinced that it was my case. 
For I had often broken the Sabbath after conviction, and I had disobeyed my parents and had often told untruths. The same Lord's Day at night, another godly minister preached at five o'clock upon Ephesians 2.3, and thereby I was much more convinced of my sinful condition, and that I was a child of wrath, without Christ and grace, which work of conviction remained strongly upon me above one year, under which I was filled with great horror and fears of hell, sore buffetings and temptations of the devil, and made to possess the sins of my youth. But yet I prayed daily, heard all the godly ministers I could, read and searched the Holy Scriptures, read good books, got acquainted with gracious Christians then called Puritans, kept several days of fasting and prayer alone, where I humbled my soul for my sins and begged pardon and grace of God for Christ's sake. I grew strict in performing holy duties and in reforming my own life, examining myself every night, confessing my sins and mourning for them, and I had a great zeal for God and an indignation against actual sins both committed by myself and others. Notice his extraordinary zeal against his sin and his diligent attempts at self-reformation. Then after he was ordained to the ministry, he came to a better understanding of scriptural worship, and he followed his conscience before God. He even left the ministry over it and stopped preaching because, to quote him, for though many had been reformed and moralized, yet I knew not that I had been instrumental to convert any souls to God, unquote. This was, of course, because he himself had only been moralized and not yet converted. He began to pray for God, quote, to show me how to glorify God in the ministry, unquote. For days and weeks he prayed morning and night. And then one evening, walking home, something extraordinary happened, which he tells in the following story. As I was going home, in answer to my prayers, was given to me in these words, Go to Mr. Wheelwright, and he shall tell thee and show thee how to glorify God in the ministry. But I heard no voice, nor did I see any vision. Only those words were plainly and articulately spoken into my ears and understanding, at which I was astonished and said, Lord, let me not be deluded or deceived. Then came to my mind that passage of Cornelius sending to Peter, who should tell him what he ought to do. So I was fully persuaded that it was an answer to my prayers from the Lord, and I was filled with such joy that I went on my way rejoicing, leaping, and praising God. The next morning, going to seek out Mr. Wheelwright, who was a silenced minister, whom I had heard of by some Christians, that he had been instrumental to convert many souls. But I knew him not. The silenced minister he refers to is John Wheelwright, who a few years later in 1636 would go to New England and play an important part in the antinomian controversy there. He was one who believed in free grace, and so appears to have been very well chosen by God to give the gospel to Knowles, who was steeped in works righteousness. Another preacher he will mention is Samuel Howe. This man was a friend of William Kiffin's and a pastor in London. 
he appears from the story to be the instrument that God used to convert Knowles. Listen to Knowles' account. He got on his horse and rode to Mr. Wheelwright's home. He says, I told Mr. Wheelwright that yesternight I was praying as before and was sent unto him by the Lord. After he asked me many things about the work of God upon my soul, and I had told him, he said I could not glorify God, neither in the ministry nor in any other way or work. For I was building my soul upon a covenant of works, and was a stranger to the covenant of grace, at which I was startled, troubled, and somewhat amazed. But I told him I was assured God had sent me to him, and by his mouth I should be instructed how to glorify God in the ministry of the gospel, and I did earnestly entreat and beseech him to apply himself to give me his counsel and directions concerning that matter. Then Mr. Wheelwright opened to me the nature of the covenant of free grace, which I confessed to him I was a stranger to in a great measure, having been only under legal convictions and a spirit of bondage. And though I had some discoveries of my want of Christ, yet I had sought righteousness, as it were, by the works of the law. I got my peace by performing duties, and I rested on them. Mr. Wheelwright desired me to consider what he had said to me and to come to him two or three days after. So I left him at that time and went home exceeding sorrowful about my soul's condition. But I gave myself to prayer and begged of God to teach me the covenant of grace. And to that end, I searched the scriptures. And I heard one Mr. Howe preach upon Galatians 2.20. I live by the faith of the Son of God, whereby I saw that I had lived a life of works and not of faith. Then I began to see a necessity of believing in Christ for pardon and salvation, and hearing the minister say that Christ was the author, root, and only foundation of saving faith, and that God did give the faith of evidence, Hebrews 11.1, 1, in some new covenant promise and that those promises were given of God. I prayed that night and the next morning and in the night season that God would give me such a promise. The next day I locked myself in the church. I prayed very earnestly, mourning and bemoaning myself and my soul's condition, fearing and with great brokenness of spirit and many tears expressing my fears, that God would leave me and forsake me, and then I should utterly perish forever." At this time, that promise, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, was given me, which promise stopped me a little in prayer. And I break forth into this kind of expostulation with God, saying, Lord, who am I? I am a vile, sinful sinner, the chief of sinners, most unworthy of pardon and salvation. How, Lord, never leave thee nor forsake thee. O oh, infinite mercy, O oh, free grace, who am I? I have been a graceless soul a formal professor, a legal performer of holy duties, and have gone about to establish my own righteousness, which I now see is but filthy rags. Then God gave me this promise. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and will not remember 
your sins. The application of which promises filled my soul with joy and peace in believing, so that I break forth into praises and thanksgiving. And so Hansard Knowles moved from being an outwardly good minister to a true Christian. This account should remind us that outward diligence in religion, even in its private duties, is no replacement for faith in Jesus Christ. The conviction of sin, self-reformation, and discipline can all be legal and not gracious. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and God grants it to his elect, not based on any merit in themselves or any works they do, but solely as it is his good pleasure. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist wishing you grace and peace. Thank you.